Hello, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us one more time. What a blessing it is to hear from every single one of you and letting us know that you are enjoying the messages from Pastor JC and myself and, and Arthur. Um, right now, we have the privilege of having Pastor JC speak to every single one of us what God has placed in his heart today. And it's such an awesome blessing to hear him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for who you are, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this man of God. Lord, I thank you for his strength. Lord, continue continue to strengthen him. Continue, <laughs> Lord, to, to use him for your honor and your glory. And Father, I pray that you will use this mouthpiece right now to speak into our hearts what you want us to hear and do. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen and amen. Here's JC. Our scripture today is Ezekiel 37. America's greatest need is a real spiritual awakening. Many centuries ago, there lived a man by the name of Ezekiel. His name meant God will strengthen. His people had a bad case of spiritual heart trouble, so much so that God sought to cure them by allowing them to be defeated scattered, and carried into bondage by a pagan nation. Ezekiel was God's instrument to reclaim and strengthen his people after their discipline. One day, Jehovah God gave Ezekiel a vision of the restoring to life a valley of dry bones. As we study Ezekiel 37, we see in the context that it was a time of perilous, uncertain means of existence. The cause of idolatry and social corruption, the nation of Judah became weak and vulnerable before Babylon. Various men of God had tried to stem the tide of evil, which had set in, and to save Judah from the ruin which she was hastening. But the people's eyes were blinded, blinded by their own folly. Their conscience was dulled with repeated disobedience. God gave warnings to these people through Ezekiel. Even though Babylon kept edging closer and closer, the complacent people of God would not believe that anything could happen to them. But alas, in 587 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and his army came and destroyed Jerusalem and carried thousands of Jews into captivity. 
Once again, the foul winds of war were blowing here in America. Atomic test causes the world to grow fearful. It's a strange day that when men have the power to improve the lot of humanity and to open the doors of progress, the ghost of war should fall upon us. We live in a day of nuclear, thermonuclear chemicals and biological weapons. And the swift means to deliver these weapons of mass destruction to virtually any point on earth carry certainly grave signs that perhaps the biblically prophesied battle of Armageddon may not be too far away. Many who once scoffed at this prophecy are now concerned in fear of its validity. This is a day of social decay. We're living in a time as the late E. Stanley Jones put it, there is policy without principle, wealth without work, industry without morality, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, and I would add religion without God. Our sins have brought about corruption and decay in every area of life. Look at the dark picture. Only one out of 12 persons in our country attends church. And many churches have only one service a week. Seven out of eight children quit church before they reach 16 years of age. People spend eight times more at movies and watching TV than they do in the study of the Bible. We spend per capita $750 on pleasure, drugs, and amusements to every dollar given to the church and God's work. Our nation harbors three times as many criminals as we have college students. Three major crimes are committed every minute. A murder is committed every 40 minutes. There are 600 suicides in this country each day. And there are more barmaids in America than college girls. We're living, as one writer put it, in a day of nuclear giants and ethical infants. Even if there was no international crisis, the deterioration of our nation is drug in drugs and alcohol and selfless pressure is enough to bring every serious Christian to his knees 
praying that God would intervene and bring revival. This is a day of loss of nationalism. We see that more and more people live to get what they can out of the government, rather than being a help and a contributor to government. These are indeed perilous times in which we live. Judah had decayed and was under the hill of Babylon. America is decaying and will be defeated one of these days unless we turn to God and there is divine intervention. Toynbee reminds us that those who ignore the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. The Valley of Dry Bones depicts the spiritual condition of God's people today. As Ezekiel saw acres and acres of human skeletons, bones which were separated and scattered, he said Israel, Judah was like that. There's no life. God's people are scattered like a slain army. They were helpless and decaying. Symbolically, there are so many of the church today that have never really been spiritually regenerated. Are you a part of the Valley of Dry Bones, spiritually dead, conquered, slain in the spirit of selfishness? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have a faith that is active? The Bible reminds us, for as without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Is your faith mere pretense or a dynamic force? What has it done to you personally? What is it causing you to do in helping others? How about your spiritual appetite? The appetite is a good indicator of life and spiritual health. How about your fellowship with other Christians? The Bible says we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. By their fruits ye shall know them. What do the fruits of your life say about your walk with God? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, God's word questions. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So many people in the church today are spiritually dead. Instead of being a militant 
and victorious people, they lie defeated and helpless. Many are backslidden, spiritually numb and insensitive. Many are on the salvation train, but they're traveling on the sleeper car. Instead of being an asset, they are a liability. The Christian world is indeed in a dead sleep. If the words of the great awakener was true two centuries ago, how much more today that there are those who are spiritually asleep. But even as people slumber, small wonder that the church's sleep is restless. Has spiritual rigor mortis set in your soul? Is it true of your church? Are you cold, indifferent, heartless to the needs of a lost world about you? Are you a hearer, but not a doer? Are you drifting, experiencing spiritual decline? You know, there are three stages of backsliding. There is a backslider in heart. Those who lose their appetite and joy and enthusiasm. And then there is the backslider in beauty, no longer involved or dependent upon. And thirdly, there is a backslider in the open. Paul said of Demas, he hath forsaken me because of this present world. Is that true of you? The prophet said that some bones were very dry. Have you, through neglect and spiritual indifference, become defeated and spiritually dried up? And the passage tells us that there was a valley of here we see the picture of a defeated army slain by the enemy. This is a spiritual loss of people to the kingdom of God. This is a whole army loss to kingdom warfare. If our world is plunged into abysmal darkness, it will be because Christians are asleep are cold and have failed. Please consider the qualities of this spiritual leader and the call of such men of God today. Ezekiel said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. In God's infinite wisdom and scheme, he calls, directs, and uses human instruments to speak his message and lead his people. History, biblical and secular, 
reminds us that God has always had a man for the hour in the midst of great peril and uncertainty. When God's people were in bondage in Egypt, he called Moses. During the various stages of the spiritual decline of the kingdom of God, the Lord calls such men as Isaiah, Amos, Michael. During the dark ages of Europe, God called St. Francis of Assisi. When England sank to the bottom in the 18th century, God used John Wesley. Following the bloodshed and decadence of the Civil War, God gave us Dwight L. Moody. In our day, God gave us the late Billy Graham. Ezekiel said that he was carried out in the spirit of the Lord. God's call means that there will be divine leadership and uh, that power would be provided. The work of God always requires more than human ability and effort. God led Ezekiel to do something about the misery of his people. He said, he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. The language, of course, is symbolic. Through it, we see the deplorable condition of God's people today. Ezekiel was set in the midst of them. A man is never used of God if he holds himself aloof and remains in his ivory tower. He must identify himself with people. He must know their sin, see their heartbreak, misery, and need. He must be with them, but not of them. The place for a boat is in the water, but the water must not get in the boat. Another characteristic of Ezekiel is that he was a man of faith. God was testing his faith, God alone in the Bible, then and now, tests our faith. We must wholly depend upon him. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither is ear heavy, that it cannot be heard. Furthermore, we find in this spiritual leader, Ezekiel, that he was fully obedient to the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, he writes. Dargan in his history and preaching reminds us the life and progress of nation, the rise and fall of governments have often been closely connected with the preaching of God's word. One of the main factors in the spiritual decline of our day is that so many have failed to do what Ezekiel did. 
Some have unconsciously failed. Others have deliberately failed. Many have failed to prophesy, to preach God's word because of fear and possible loss of their position and pastorate. Some have failed because their theological training warped by their study has indeed warped their thinking and expression today. Many have failed to prayerfully seek the message of God and consequently there is no word from God. I hope of the day in which you and I live, there will be more anointed men to be usable instruments of God who serve without fear of man, only fear and respect of God. I want you to also consider in closing the quickening message and life-giving spirit that brought a change. Ezekiel knew, Ezekiel knew that conditions of Israel were beyond human help. Conditions of God's people today are beyond what man can do in renewing and restoring. The reviving of the church and the reclaiming of any heart is only possible through divine means. These means are not strange. In fact, they're so common, we seem to forget them. One, if there is to be a change in this nation and revival in our churches, God's message must be a life-giving force that will permeate all facets of life. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This biblical message must be proclaimed. Preachers fail to proclaim it, however, because of intimidation and fear. Preachers fail to present it in spiritual power. There is much preaching and programs, but no power. Leonard Hodgson complained about modern preaching that, quote, fails to catch fire and kindle sparks in the congregation because of its utterance that gives an impression of being a performance of a routine duty. Douglas Webster called for a preacher 
who would be an instrument releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. People fail to hear that message today because they're not in church or where they can hear such a message. Friends, it must be heeded. Hear, give ear to, and obey. It becomes effective only as men obey it and live it. People are not taking personally and seriously what God is saying because of some preachers. Our repentance is partial. Our obedience is half-hearted. We're like the listening of a radio program. One o'clock, back to God, if there is no world series. Oh, how desperately we need courageous men of God who speak the words of the Bible. And then there was the indwelling of God's spirit into Ezekiel's life and ministry. The word breath is translated spirit. When the sword of the spirit, the Bible, is wielded and hearts are touched, then the spirit convicts, calls people to repentance, constrains and commissions his people to service. John 6, 63, it is a spirit that gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Look at the results that came as a result of Ezekiel's obedience and courage. The bones in verse 7 came together. And when people get right with God, they will get right with one another. There will be unity and love. Verse 10, they stood up. Life comes. The church then becomes effective and a strong moral influence. A TV, TV repairman was trying to locate the trouble in a friend's set. A six-year-old came in and said, I'll bet if you clean out the dead cowboys from the bottom of the set, it will work again. Oh, how we need to clean out dead Christians so the church once again can stand and give the message of God to a needy people. God's people became usable. There was an exceeding great army, the Bible says. There was assurance that God now was in their midst. Ye shall know that I am the Lord. There was wonderful fellowship. That is found in verse 27. And then there was influence upon the unsaved, ungodly. Gypsy Smith once said, I'm here to help the church get right with God. That will be revival. Conversion will be the fruit of the revival. How true it is today. 
God says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked, wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Oh, my friend, pray this prayer. Set us afire, God. Stir us, we pray, while the world perishes and we go on our way, purposeless, passionless, day after day. Oh, God, set us afire. Stir us, we pray. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for the courage and message of men like the prophet Ezekiel. We're grateful for other, for other great men of God, such as Billy Graham. But Lord, now there is a day, a time in which there is the need of a great change. Acceptance of real values of life, a clear conscience and forgiveness of sin. Lord, give us revival. Touch the hearts of people today, and may there come a drastic change that will be true in the church as well as in the street. Thank you, God, for your message. May it penetrate every listening heart. In Jesus' name. Amen.